Hi, I'm Rob, and he's Ed. Hello. And together with a thirst, welcome to Pint Size Philosophy, Papua New Guinea's favourite podcast. The show that applies a philosophical eye to contemporary issues. Before we kick off, we've got some exciting news about Ed. Uh, he's had a new book published. About, it's called, they call it Mamets. It's about the First World War. Uh, and you can buy it now on Amazon. It's really good. I've read it. I actually narrated it, but got slapped down. I basically didn't feel that Rob was, was doing justice to the characters. But either way, it's really good. And um, check it out, basically. Thanks for that, Rob. It's very kind of you. I in no way pressured you to do that. So <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to... <laughs> yeah, off the, off the cuff, that was. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, from uh, good news to bad news, uh, it's my sad job to tell you that. Not only is this the final episode in this series... But it's also our last episode of Rob. The Purple Dar is leaving us. This is his yeah. last episode with us. It's tragic. He's had to answer the call uh, to return to the motherland as all young Hondurans do when they come of age. We're sorry to burden you so suddenly with this terrible news. But but you know how it is when you get the call. It's got to be answered straight away. It is sad. It is sad. Um, but we're happy. We're happy for you, Rob, producer James and I. You are you're going on to do other things, great things. We, we know you'll make us proud. Let's make it a good one. So what's the topic for today? Uh, we're going to be talking about the prison system okay. and basically do prisons work. Okay. It's going to be the kind of gist of the episode, I, okay. I hope. Okay, lovely. Um, just for, to give you a bit of perspective, uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to be focusing mainly on America, that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the prison system in America is under immense amount of strain compared mm. to the rest of the world to be made not as much as that. Sri Lanka oh because that's kind of the news story that brought it to my issue recently I think it was like uh it was the, either the 8th or 9th of November depending on where you live in the world <laughs> <laughs> nice um uh in Sri Lanka there was a, a prison a maximum security prison and somehow uh the inmates managed to overpower the guards grab the guns have cell phones and coordinate an attack and a riot a riot so it's basically a classic case of inmates versus yeah. prisoners slash army, and they kind of yeah. held up, held up the prisoners a fort, and it took like twelve, twelve hours at least to resolve. So God, the question, yeah, there was a couple of well, I think a couple. I think there was about twenty inmates killed, and mm. a couple of officers went down as well. So it raises the issue: what was going on yeah. inside the prison that made them to riot first of all? Yeah, and uh, is this the right system to be keeping men? inside a prison and women and women okay. uh, in, inside prisons and what system is better all right if 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 not you know that type of system excellent this is this is exciting stuff um i guess we should we should probably be primarily discussing what is the goal of prison yes because in order to yeah. sort of assess how successful it is yeah is it is it to punish or is it to rehabilitate that's gonna be one of the main things we're looking exactly, at I think. exactly um and historically um prison had none of those functions neither of those functions it was just a holding area mm. for criminals who were who would be awaiting corporal or capital punishment uh, for their crime so it was only later that imprisonment came to be seen actually as a form of punishment itself right. so in the olden days it literally the act of detaining wasn't the punishment it was just you you had to physically hold them there until you could bring the whip about or until you could slice their neck off um and then over time <laughs> slice their neck off not their head just the neck just the neck <laughs> To be honest, if you had your neck sliced off, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you would, so, yeah, would be, yeah. Um, so, yeah, over time, prison obviously came to have two stated objectives. The first is to, to act as a deterrent for would-be criminals by punishing transgressors. Mm -hmm. And the second is to protect society from its uh, dangerous members. 
by means of incarceration. Um, but as you implied earlier, in recent years, there's been a sort of increased concern that prisons should play some sort of rehabilitating role yeah. to better ensure that inmates do not return when they're released. Um, Immediately, I just want to say something about the UK prison system. I've got some interesting stats here. Good. That's which are going to lean towards the re- rehabilitation side. Okay. Just to, you know, give us a foothold. Right. Um, in the UK, residential drug treatment programs, for example, offer a £200,000 net benefit over prison over the lifetime of an offender, which is quite a large saving, yes. if you will. And uh, this is because the drug treatment programs are cheaper to run than incarceration systems and because they deliver lower reoffending rates. Right. And uh, similarly, uh, using surveillance instead of cells saves £125,000 per convict. Okay, well, that, that's that's interesting. We'll return to that because you've jumped the gun as ever with your eagerness. <laughs> Just eager. Um, what I see there is a, is a sort of um, alternative to prison as we as we currently conceive of it, mm. um, which I think is a good one. Um, but I think we should just flesh out the problem with the specifically American prison system yeah. at the moment. Um, do you want a bit of background on American prisons? Go on, go for it. Um, <clears throat> well, America currently imprisons... Uh, more of her citizens for crimes and for longer periods than any other nation on the world. And uh, at the beginning of 2008, nearly two and a half million people were imprisoned in the US. That's like one in every 100 adults. And then comparative to China, who's got a larger population. Yeah. Um, it's four times bigger than the US, I think. Yeah. You're pretty much spot on there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got four times the overall population, but it only has one and a half million people in prison compared to the USA, which has two and a half million people, like we said earlier. Okay. Uh, so, what does it say about the comparative societies and their prison systems, if anything? Yes, yes. So, I guess the question is whether or not America's mass imprisonment serves the needs of justice or, or whether something's going horribly wrong and they're yeah. wasting vast sums of money. Yeah. Because I, I believe you have some stats about the the amount... Oh, God, it is an absolutely preposterous yeah. amount of money. Because it's not, it's not only that they imprison so, so many people, 100 is an astonishing amount. It's how much it costs for the rest of the the rest of Americans. I think it was something like sixty four billion, but I can see you frantically scanning mm. scanning your stats there. Uh I've got I've got a figure here. Fifty billion dollars on incarceration in two thousand and seven. And that's up from uh ten billion in nineteen eighty seven. Okay. So in twenty years, you know, do the maths, they spend an extra forty billion dollars. Ouch. So so we have this sort of image here of uh, a country which is arguably the world's leading light uh, putting in prison a higher percentage of its population than many other countries mm. and having spiralling costs to maintain and expand their prison system. And I guess the question we're going to try and address is, is there a more efficient way of doing this? Yeah. Um, and I think the first thing uh, to notice is... Um, there's a different when we say criminals or people in prison that there, there are there are differences between them i read what i thought was quite an interesting division of criminals into the mad or bad and the sad <laughs> <laughs> the That's idea being summary. that you have people that are in jail either because they're mentally deranged or they are just bad people and mm. you know they will continue to commit crimes whatever you do and you need to lock them up basically and you have sad people who are doing crimes for reasons such as drug addiction or perhaps they have, um, you know, they're addicted to shoplifting, something like that. Um, and I think, I mean, that, that division's very uh, loose. But I think that the point remains... Um, well, there, there's a definitely a large 
difference in the mad and bad compared to the sad. Yeah. In 2005, out of um, 14 million arrests that were made in the in the US, roughly 600,000 were for violent crimes and one and a half million for property crimes. What, and the rest were all for... The rest were other, for... Other crimes. I, I imagine other crimes, yeah. Well, we, we, we found out, didn't we, the week before last, um, that, was it 60% of... Yeah, the, the, marijuana or something. People in jail yeah, with, so. with marijuana. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the point here is that you have the I guess, I don't want to say real criminals, but we'll say it for the sake of this show. You have the real criminals, the, the ones you really can't release, release and you, you punishment and removal for society. It is is for these people. Basically, we're talking about people that have been violent to others, people that are yeah. a threat. Um, so yeah, by all means, imprison them. But the question is, what do you do with the others that have committed non-violent crimes? Um, they're making up a greater percentage of the prison population. Um, and also, I guess there's a threat. Not only are there a strain on, on society's wealth, there's a sort of worry that are we turning non-violent inmates into violent inmates by treating the two groups as criminals in the same way. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you get a chap who's smoked a bit of weed, you know, done, done a few minor crimes, throw him in jail with a few rough gentleman and and he comes out the other side with some contacts in the cocaine world and you know is it any small wonder that he's back in for a bigger offense yeah next time yeah. next time i'd imagine prison would have a negative effect on most psychologically normal people yeah so well but we both read quite an interesting experiment which is called the stanford prison experiment where what did you say 76 i uh, just made that up i think it was i <laughs> think it, it was about say 70 volunteers basically okay. Um, and and they, they're not prison people they're just people from the outside world yeah. normal people um, and they split them up um, into prisoners and guards and installed them in a mock prison yeah they locked them away out of contact from anyone else and the only way that they could kind of view what was going on was via uh, CCTV and video cameras and they just basically watched what would happen uh, over the course of a week Yeah, and chaos ensued <laughs> Yeah, uh, pretty much basically the guards grew into their role and as the sort of domineering force mm. and pretty much went as far as torturing the uh, prisoners. Meanwhile, the prisoners went from rejecting uh, the rule to really being under the thumb and completely yeah. losing their sort of... Depressed, belittled. Yeah, exactly, completely belittled. They felt like nothing by the end. And the guards were absolutely devastated that the experiment was, to learn that the experiment was going to end on day six. Um because they presumably wanted to continue this sort of coercive uh, experience they were yeah. having, um, which draws some some startling sort of um, conclusions. I mean, it's tempting to think of criminals as a class apart, a class below uh, the, the rest of us honest human beings. But what what this? Yeah, you can see you can see that even if a normal, healthy person from the outside was thrown into a condition like yeah. the U.S. prison system, that it might churn out something slightly less healthy by the end of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it definitely demonstrates um, we should think twice before sending people to prison. Um, I mean, it is perfectly possible to fault the experiment. I mean, perhaps a large reason why the guards acted as they did, especially is because they've seen what guards are like in Hollywood yeah, movies. They're just playing a part, really. If you know it's for a week, you're going to play a part. I mean, it doesn't account for quite how enthusiastically they went about their behavior. Tying people up to a chair and urinating on them. <laughs> did they do that? Yeah, they did that. Okay, fair enough. Um, no, there are there are ways of doubting the the evidence of the 
experiment. Um, we should also mention that the experiment was was done uh, partly with the Baghdad Correctional Facility uh, nightmare in 2004 in mind, which is basically where American troops, American soldiers in a in a uh, Iraqi security center tortured uh, various Iraqis and. Um, Dr. Zimbardo uh, was very disconcerted with the American response to this uh, nightmare, which was basically to say that, to blame it on a few bad apples, if you will, in the uh, American army. Whereas his argument was that, look, if you place anybody in this sort of position of power, this is what they're going to do. If anyone's thirsty for more, then they should check out a, a really good film called Das Experiment, which is a German film based on the infamous, infamous uh, Stanford prison experiment. Yeah. It's, um, it's really good. Basically, it, it's slightly reduced, but there, twenty inmates are, well, twenty people from the outside, are popped into this makeshift prison, and the same type of chaos ensues. So you really get a, a feel of what actually happened in that seventies yeah. experiment. So enjoy that one. Nice. Back to business. So at the moment, America is currently imprisoning lots and lots of people who are not an obvious danger to society. They're not violent, and and you you may be even messing them up by sticking them in the ring with other violent people. So, I mean, the question is, is there no conceivable alternative to this? Yeah, I think some people feel hard done by, don't they? Because there is uh, a mandatory sentence for uh, crime X, say, like if you, if, if, I don't know the ins and outs of it specifically, but, you know, if you're carrying, carrying half a kilogram of weed, it's, right. quite, it's quite a lot, you get three years in prison. Straight. Oh, right. Straight away, there's no no, there's no wiggle room. And, you know yeah. that you can put stuff on top of that. Yeah, that that doesn't the, the current laws don't sort of benefit your small time drug dealer. Yeah, was it was interesting about weed though is that especially now these new laws came in, which we went into more depth in uh, last podcast. If you're from a different state, where those those laws, you know, are there, and then in your state you've still got the laws which send you to prison. Yeah. You feel pretty hard done by. Yeah, very hard done. I mean, that, that's an interesting... Do you think maybe something like a fine would be more appropriate? I think that, that that's a way they could go. I mean, obviously, we've covered the uh, the mad and bad people need mm. to stay in jail. Yeah. But you could free up a lot of space and a lot of money by dealing with the sad people in other ways. And, and you're going to have the, the small-time marijuana people, perhaps a wrap on the wrist, perhaps a fine... And then you've got the other sort of the real people that are addicted to drugs and are in yeah. a lot of trouble. Surely it's of no advantage to anyone to lock them up. They're not going to get any treatment there. Yeah. Surely the alternative to imprisoning these people is to deal with the reason they are sad, to use um, the sad and the mad and bad distinction again, hmm. because it is so, so great. So maybe <laughs> mandatory incarceration instead of, well, you could send them to a mandatory drug support group yeah something well yeah drug support camp yes drug support camp something like that i mean obviously we're just spitballing here but the point is um the american system at the moment seems to me to treat all criminals as if they're of one class where they're really not and so you end up with a situation where you have harder criminals in the same place as softer criminals and that can only be a bad thing yeah um, it's interesting you mentioned class actually because um I think in America they treat criminals more as second-class citizens. They don't really see them as uh, on the same level as people on the outside. We have to remember they are still human. Mm. I mean, they're, a couple of them may have mental disabilities or be mentally deranged, but at the end of the day, I think it was 15, 15 to 20% of people in American prisons do have mental health problems. Yeah. 
but you still got to account for the other 80% of people, which are absolutely fine. Well, it, well, it depends how you... Mentally. <clears throat> it depends how you classify mental health problems. I'd imagine lots of criminals might not be criminally insane, but they probably have. They're not as normal, if you will, as... as yeah, I think that still normal. comes under the the envelope of mental health issues. And also you've got to account for how many of these criminals acted insane to get lesser sentences mm. or what have you. But without getting too far into the... Uh, it gets sticky when you start talking about crim- yes. criminal defence. Talking about stuff we know nothing about. Yeah. yeah. Um, we like to do that a lot. On the first <laughs> yeah, we do, we do our best. But no, I think your point's interesting um, because there's sort of... There's two sides of, of, of the same coin almost, how we view prisoners. Because I think on one side, um, there's suspicion that they're getting too cushy a life. You know, you mm. often sort of hear people complaining about yeah, on how... the bus about how people would rather be in prison because they got an xbox a tv exactly like exactly fully, fully equipped gym exactly astro pitch to play football living the dream basically yeah. meanwhile you've got your honest man on paid, the bread paid line. by the taxpayer yeah <laughs> um i think that is quite a sad state of affairs because it shows the dominance that money or possessions has in our sort of morality over enlightenment concepts like freedom mm. i mean yes they might have an xbox to it really they're not free and that is what we should value rather mm. than the possession of an Xbox fun as they are. Um, but then on the other hand, there's a sort of worry that conditions are too hard. Like in America, there's, it's overcrowding is a massive issue. And like you said, when people are in prison, they're treated like they're nothing. You know, have a number as opposed to a, a name. I mean, you could say, well, tough, they broke the law. They deserve to, to reap what they've sown. But that's all well and good if the convicts are not due to be released. But if they are due to be released, and the question is, what sort of convicts are, are spilling out onto the streets? What so sort you of... don't want a, someone who's been toughened <clears throat> by yes. a maximum security prison to be instantly thrown out into the into the big wide world when they've got no social skills. When you know, yes. the only social skills they've got is this hierarchy within the prison. Yes, I mean that that is something we should. We've been talking as if you know mass rapists and murderers have been sharing cells yeah. with, with weed smokers <laughs> that's probably not going to be the case but it certainly is the case that you will get more hardened criminals and less hardened criminals together uh, in the same gym playing on the same xbox um, um so yeah i mean we've sort of briefly touched on some alternatives um to prison uh, perhaps with regards to uh, treatment camps for people with drug uh, related issues etc you know making the sad go away if you will um yeah. i would just like to say that I, I don't think um prison can play a sort of rehabilitation role you don't rehabilitate someone by punishing them you rehabilitate no. someone by educating them or by treating them so i would like to see prison essentially remain as a deterrent for would-be criminals by punishing transgressors and protecting society by holding them up but i would also like there to be a stronger distinction between criminals who really need to be locked away for the safety of society and people who could be perhaps treated or educated out of their criminal ways. I mean, that's a very crass way of putting it. But Yeah, but we said at the start of the podcast that the savings, well, that has been proven in the UK, you're going to save a lot of money exactly by rehabilitating these people. So, you're, you know, you're not spending money on incarcerating them a second, third or even fourth time. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but having having discussed some alternatives to prison, I think we should perhaps turn to some alternative prisons because in our research um, for this show, we actually found some rather interesting... Yeah, it was fascinating. Um, some rather interesting uh, prisons. I'm talking, Rob, about the uh, San Pedro prison in La Paz, Bolivia. Do, mm. you, do you have any... Would you be able to enlighten our readers on this? 
Yeah, basically, it's almost like a, a gated community. So it's like a town which is gated from the outside. There's no guards, there's no wardens, there's nothing like that. The, the criminals are allowed to live with their families and children in a, this society removed from society. Yeah. Know. Yeah, I think basically the way it is is there's a there's a, a wall, a perimeter with guards on, and then there's a yellow line inside. Yeah, that's, that's what I have should, should have said. Um, yeah, they're not just plopped not in just, a town yeah. with the understanding they won't leave. You know, they can pop to the shops. Uh, yeah, exactly. But um, no, basically the, this place has its own economy, and I think it's yeah. fascinating. There are, there are restaurants run by criminals making money and so on. Um, and you can use your money to rent um, various cells, ranging from like really nice ones to really, really cramped ones, and like, terrible ones. Um, all the doors are unlocked, basically. You just walk about, and as Rob says, it's basically a completely a society set apart from society. There are elected leaders that are supposed to control riots and so on, which occasionally do break out. Um, but we thought it was a really interesting way of doing it. it it's sort of saying okay well you've proven that you can't be trusted to live in normal society but why don't you live with your own kind why almost? don't you live with your own kind yeah um what we thought was good is that they almost get the well they do get the opportunity to start again don't they yeah they haven't been put on the naughty step for the duration of their stay in jail if you will yeah. they get they get to try out their hand again and and presumably the, the ones that put in the more effort get the more money etc just as would happen in real life yeah yeah no very very um Novel, but uh, what I thought was really interesting is that uh, aside from some various sort of, there have been riots and so on. That although I think it was three people are killed a year yeah. in this society, but apart from that, the criminals there seem to act mostly like we do in normal life. I think the key thing to point out is these people are here for you know a long time, but some people do eventually get out. Yeah, um, but- you know they serve their time and they're allowed to leave. Yeah, but um, it seems that when the people that do leave are reintroduced to the outside world, they do seem to blend in a lot better. And on that note, Rob, I think we should we should leave the first podcast's treatment of the American yep. justice system, perhaps just with the thought that they they might want to take a leaf out of the British Empire's book. Because I mean, when we had problems with with overcrowded jails, we simply went and took another country, called it Australia, and then plonked our criminals there. And I mean. <laughs> They've done all right. Well, yeah, they've done fine. Look at them now. Budgeting. Not on the ashes, mind you. Well, no. Not Two times the, on the trot. Not in the ashes. But um, if only America could have the same sort of strength as the British Empire, then perhaps they could have done something like that. And I'd like to, to leave everyone on that thought. Thanks for another great episode, Ed, as always. Thanks, Rob. Actually, this time it should be, should be me thanking you. Oh. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I set up with the, the view of enlightening you. Um, and I feel now that I can, I can leave you able to you know carry on my philosophical investigations in another country i sort of expected that but what i didn't expect is how much you'd touch my heart in the process um so i'd just like to say thank you from myself and producer james and all our listeners i'm sure and and just to leave you with the thought that a fellowship may have been sundered but the brotherhood endures and now if you'd like to take us through the finalities one last time oh, i don't know if i can i've got a bit of a frog in my throat but i'll I'll try. Producer James is howling in the back. <laughs> Try and ignore him. Uh, you can visit our website at www.thethirstpodcast.com or get in touch with us via email at thethirstpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, type in the Thirst Podcast into Facebook and we'll pop up top of the list. Um, 
on Twitter. We're at Thirst Podcast, and you can get in touch with us via our very own hashtag, uh, hashtag Ed and Rob. And then, last but not least, as always, get in touch with us via iTunes. Um, check out this series, Pint Size Philosophy, or check out the the back catalogue, Bottled Wisdom. Like, comment, subscribe, give us five stars, show us your love. And as a final present from me to you, here's some of our greatest moments. I don't I've, seen, it, I've seen a black swan though, but yeah. I assume they're different species. Let's not, let's let, <laughs> I, I'd rather you hadn't said that, honestly, Rob, because you've just completely undermined. Why did you wait 20 minutes to bring this in? I've been using this white swan example. Oh, good. It's fine, we can cut that carry on. Oh. That's when it. Don't do slow stuff like that, James. <laughs> we take your headphones off and start looking about. Like, obviously, I'm going to stop. And is God really the sort of being whose existence can be proven or disproven? I'm Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying that a physicalist needs two minds to ex- one to explain two brains? Two brains? No. We've got another one stuck in the tube. We have <laughs> Team A. Despite the overwhelm, oh god! Despite the overwhelming scale of the issue, all efforts to eradicate. I just can't say it. Just can't even say it. Despite the overwhelming scale of the issue, all efforts to eradicate just doesn't work for my mouth. And in the meantime, stay thirsty, everyone. I always do.